Emergency podcast season. It is Sunday a.m. The sun is not yet up here in the UK, but there is a lock on Marlins for you guys. J.J. Bloody traded to the Oakland A's. That was the first news that dropped. And then you get the return, uh, the reliever, or the pitcher, potential starter, A.J. Puck returning back from the Oakland A's in this one-for-one swap deal. We're going to dig into all of the news and reaction on this deal on today's Locked on Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast uh, as part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And it's your team every day, even on a Sunday, it seems. The sun is not yet up here. Uh, It's just past 7 a.m. But emergency podcasts must be recorded. When the news dropped, I was already asleep. Uh, I saw the Reyes news uh, announced and that got me hot under the collar. And I thought, that's it. I'm going to sleep. Fan fest. It seemed like FanFest was amazing yesterday and a lot of fun and a lot of news and notes and whatever out of that one. Uh, but it was then the cherry on top was that Alex Reyes goes and signs with the Dodgers uh, after Andrew Chafin signed with the Diamondbacks. So uh, digging into this trade pretty quickly here, guys, we have to think that or you have to, to wonder how connected is everything here with the Marlins in on Chafin. Didn't hear his name mentioned at all. We know for certain they were in on Alex Reyes. He goes and signs what looks to be a stunning deal with the Dodgers in the kind of methods, in the kind of contracting method that I was talking about a few weeks back with Reyes, you know, a low low dollar amount in year one, higher into year two, incentives in there. That kind of makes sense. And I think the Dodgers are, are going to see huge value out of that deal. But you have to assume, and it's interesting timing, right? FanFest is happening. Kim comes out. I guess this is the this is the timeline, right? Kim walks out onto the stage. We are not done. We are looking to enhance the bullpen and particularly calls that out. Next thing is bang, bang, Chafin and Reyes sign. You know, do the other GMs, other GMs get spooked? Kim's out there. They know Kim can wheel and deal. They know she can do a deal. Um, And so all of a sudden, two relievers, free agent relievers off the board. Uh, Then FanFest ends. And then another, another bomb drops in the reliever market. The Marlins have acquired A.J. Puck. Um, he looks to add, uh, well, go straight into the, the 2023 pen in leverage situations. We'll see what kind of role uh, he will play. Uh, he did pick up a few saves for the A's last year, but early indications would suggest, and again, what I've spoken about in other pods, still think Dylan Floro is the guy for this year for now. And then it's just going to be, uh, you know, a lot of, well, seemingly a lot, a lot of nice lefties behind them with Tanner Scott, uh, AJ Perk, obviously Matt Barnes added into the mix. So, you know, overall, <clears throat> overall, this this is a a win now move. I would say this is something that the Marlins needed right now. Uh, that's how I see it. Anyway, they needed a leverage arm. The free agents disappeared. Kim diverts quickly and and gets back in touch with the A's. You know, when we go back to AJ Puck specifically, you know, he's a a former top ten pick from the 2016 draft, so he's been around a while, but service time is as low. Um, the reason being littered with injuries, had Tommy John uh, shoulder surgery along the way too. So AJ Puck, one of those guys, high upside draft pick, 
big, massive lefty, hard-throwing lefty, tons of injuries. Um, the, the talk was as well, the A's were thinking about transitioning back to the rotation uh, this year. Uh, he obviously spent all of last year in the pen. And from when you when you sit back and look at this, the Marlins are buying high on Puck right now, and they're selling low on Blood A. Um, I, I still think, you know, the Marlins can do anything with pitchers, but that's the reality is, you know, Blade, he's he had a, a short stint at the major leagues last year. And whilst his, his first ever walk was one of the most celebrated walks I've ever seen on Marlins Twitter, uh, it's fair to say it was underwhelming with Blade. Um, he's obviously, well, not obviously, but when you watch the games and you watch Blade, the amount of times he hit into uh, third baseman stood in shallow right was uh, high. There was a lot of shift action going on to Blade. He was one of the most pull-heavy dudes that there is. So the change in shift rules will certainly help Blade. It can't be any worse because he was just he was just hitting into that that shallow shift all all the time. It was insane. The plate discipline seems to be there with with Blade. He's definitely got the eye for it, and I think. The A's, I think the A's will be happy with this. Uh, I think, you know, they've moved on a reliever that will enter arbitration after this year. Um, maybe they were, you know, maybe there was a starter still in Puck, but overall the injuries have really held his career back. For the Marlins and Blade, it's been a very interesting development curve. Drafted in 2019, obviously the COVID year kind of really impacts this kind of cluster of guys. They lose, they lose that year of development. Then he was accelerated through the system at a rapid pace, like predominantly because of the age and also the high you know, draft pick and also the need. Like the Marlins at, at the back end last year needed him because they had tons of injuries and, and underperformance. So, you know, Blade developmental-wise, was definitely accelerated. There was definitely things to like in what we saw. There's definitely changes to the game that will help Blade for next year. Um, so... I can understand why uh, many Marlins fans would be thinking, boy, they've, have we overpaid here? Have we given up on Blade too soon? I think they're really fair questions to ask because the reality is, you know, Puck looks like a legitimate reliever. Um, Blade, it's unclear if he's a legitimate big leaguer. The potential is still there, but we don't know. The age is ticking along with Blade. I think he's 25 now. <clears throat> And so it's kind of now or never for for JJ Blade in many ways. And if if in 2023, and he's got tons of minor league options, so that's not a problem. But if in 2023, let's say he goes back into the A system and, and plays a double A or triple A, triple A you'd assume, um, and things don't really improve or even go backwards slightly, um, then uh, you know it's you know what what is there in Blade now? What kind of trade value is there in him right now? Right now. The Marlins were able to move Blade, a guy that has been unimpressive at the minor league level in the main, underwhelming, let's say, and also underwhelming at the major league level. High draft pick, high pedigree, stunning season at Vanderbilt that year. But fundamentally, that's it at this point. And so for the Marlins to flip him for AJ Puck that can help them in the bullpen right now, for me, makes a ton of sense ton of sense. And I absolutely, you know, okay, we'll see what happens with Blade. And I, I wish the best for him. I absolutely. I um, seem like a top dude. Um, but I absolutely love this deal for the fish. Like the reliever market um, was, was thinning out in free agency. They had to do something. And I think they've really, 
you know, they really have done something here. They've added in a guy that's a legit guy um, that, you know, listen, there's, you know, there's kind of Josh Hader vibes going on here. I mean, maybe need to slightly tweak the hairdo uh, and the beard, but I, I think the Marlins have gone heavy upside on this one. They're buying high on Puck um, and they, they hope that he can stay healthy. I think that's going to be the main, main question for him. Um, let's tell you about our good friends over at FanDuel, and then we'll content, continue on with this one uh, and dig a little bit deeper into it. Uh, and guys, it is Super Bowl, Super Bowl Sunday today. Happy Super Bowl Day. And uh, the only app you need is FanDuel. It's the number one app uh, and the number one sports book in the US. And you can download uh, FanDuel right now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, FanDuel lets you bet on everything, every single thing from the money line to point spreads to who will score a TD. Uh, the sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, all your winnings are paid instantly. So join FanDuel today at locked on slash, no, locked on, at fanduel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That is fanduel.com slash Locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, you can let me off one minor botch in that one. It is Sunday morning. I've, had, I've not even had a coffee. Not even had a coffee yet. So that's that's how early this is. The sun is starting to slightly peak up. So as the episode goes up and on, the the, the lighting is improving as we go. So great to see. Um, all right, so AJ Puck, just going back to him on, on this, what, what kind of role can we expect? What kind of role do we think he, he can play here for the Marlins. The one thing we have to say, if you didn't know, which probably you do, uh, he's a lefty, um, and the Marlins have got tons of lefties knocking around again. We They moved Blyer um, because they felt they had surplus amounts of lefties, and now they've added in uh, AJ Puck back into the mix. There's no 40-man issue as well, by the way. It's a one-for-one swap, 40-man uh, for 40-man, um, so that's useful. Um, but... Yeah, I'm really intrigued to see the way they they tee this up. It sounds like you've got, you know, uh, uh, a leverage cluster of guys that will be, uh, like I said, Dylan Floro, I think, will likely still get the ninth. Um, you've then got AJ Puck. You've then got Tanner Scott. I was I was talking about Tanner Scott a few weeks back, how, you know, given a full offseason with Mel Stoudemire, let's not forget he was drafted right at the start of the year last year, um, which pretty much gives him no time to work on things. Um, in in any kind of meaningful way, so you then and, and, and actually just kind of looking at Puck and, uh, and and Tanner Scott, like Puck, his profile, his pitch profile is pretty similar. It's a fastball slider, um, you know, relies on a really heavy fastball and it plays well uh, for certain. You know, doesn't throw the slider perhaps maybe quite as much as Tanner Scott, who isn't afraid to throw it fifteen pitches in a row in a single at bat, but. Um, just going back to the leverage pen, Floro, Puck, Tanner Scott. You've then got Matt Barnes added to the mix. If you get 2021 Matt Barnes, then absolutely looking good. Stephen O'Kurt's done some things. Uh, Chargois, who's been um, traded for. Is that how you pronounce his name? It could be Chargo. Uh, either way, either way. in summary, I think this really helps this Marlins pen, particularly, and I think it particularly hinges on Matt Barnes as well. If Barnes is serviceable at high leverage, if Puck... Uh, can stay healthy uh, and deliver what he can, and also progress too. We shouldn't forget, like Mel Stoudemire will will you know help him make some certain adjustments. Of course, uh, we saw the same with Jesus Lazardo coming across from the A's. You know, spending any time with with Mel Stoudemire, and there's going to be an uptick uh, in all likelihood. 
Um, so how am I feeling about the pen in general? I'm feeling, I mean, this is definitely on the face of it, the best pen the Marlins have had in many, many years. It has to be, it just has to be. And the upside is there. These guys, yeah, I think the Marlins for some time have been looking for a high velo guy, high strikeout guy. It's why they kind of looked at Tanner Scott. And in some ways they still have that with Tanner Scott, uh, but the walks are too high. If you can get the command right, then, then Tanner Scott equally is, is, is a real valuable guy. Um, but I think with AJ Puck as well, it's just another guy, another really high upside guy, a kind of Josh Hadery type. And we've seen how effective they can be. And so with Kim Ang making this move, pulling the trigger here, sending JJ Blade, uh, you know, over to the A's to go and get Puck that will come into this, this bullpen and immediately add some depth, add some quality, add some high strikeout. Um, the only thing with Puck's profile that kind of stood out on, on baseball savant really was the barrel contact, the barrel rate. The, the barrel rate was pretty high, actually, it seems. Um, so he was barreled up. But fundamentally, other than that, you know, it's a high strikeout guy with tons to like. Um, a couple of walks sprinkled in there um, and tons of control. It absolutely fits the Marlins profile, to be honest with you. Control, upside, lefty, you know, the, they can kind of go in multiple directions here. I did see some people then on Twitter anyway, kind of asking around, you know, what's this going to mean? Like, are the Marlins actually seeing him as a rotation piece? We assume it's for the bullpen, and that's the right assumption. I think Craig Mish jumped on it to say, yeah, I'm expecting this to be, um, you know, bullpen situation, not a starter. But the Oakland A's did signal that they were thinking about moving Puck back into the rotation, um, which, you know, again, I, I guess is an option in the future. Like, I, you know, could you end up with an emergency starter situation? I don't know. For me, I think the Marlins, it's it's most likely they're, they're going to continue down the path of reliever for Puck. They see the profile. They like the profile. And they need that profile. Let's not forget as well, Dylan Floro is a free agent after this season. So in summary, I love the acquisition of Puck. Um, I think this is a Kim Ang, again, a win-now mode. Some of the trades uh, this year have, have felt like that way. They're win-now because it's contract year for Kim. The Marlins have to win now. They can't have another year winning 70 or less games. They just can't. It just cannot happen. Um, and based on the talent that's been added, it shouldn't happen. Frankly, it shouldn't. This team is looking miles better. It's the best roster that the Marlins have ever had. Well, in the seven years that I followed the team and probably for a good few years before that. There's other rosters when they obviously won championships. But this roster is extremely competitive right now. This clubhouse Sounds to me like it's improving from last year. It sounds, and Jazz called it out uh, on the media day to say that there'd been some struggles last year in terms of the, uh, the, the the culture in the clubhouse, et cetera. And so things feel different now. They feel different in a good way, which is only good. And the other thing we should talk about, if we're talking about the bullpen guys, is our man Sixto Sanchez. Because boy, oh boy, Sixto at media day looking like an absolute stud. He's looking skinny, bobo. Love to see that. And again, this is another another guy, another name, another arm that, you know, we don't know what the, the, the profile looks like moving forwards. But, you know, in some ways you can look at AJ Puck and say there's hope for Sixto Sanchez. Why? Because Puck, he had Tommy John, he had shoulder surgery as well along the way, he missed a ton of time. That's why he's still got four years of control because all the injuries early in his, in his um, minor league career. They pretty much wiped him out, plus the COVID year. 
you know, it's been a really tough developmental path for AJ Pug. Um, but for Sixto as well, you know, there could there is hope. And there's certainly hope when you get him looking as slim and as ready and as trim that he's looked for years, to be honest with you. And so if Sixto can work his way back back up, he said he's throwing 85% right now, about 88 miles an hour. If Sixto can work himself up, so in the second half, he's potentially available to be called up and added to the pen if the Marlins need him, then that is, again, another huge upside arm. I, you know, it's interesting to see how they... They handle Sixto in terms of, you know, his comeback this year and how cautious they are. They should absolutely be cautious with him. But again, it's another intriguing name, another intriguing guy um, if they need it. I'm intrigued to see what happens with with Braxton Garrett as well. I mean, there's clearly no spot in the rotation. They'll probably need Brax because, you know, people, you know, guys get hurt and whatever. But equally with Braxton Garrett, you know, there's there's a really effective long man in there as well if they really want to bulk up the pen. I don't think they'll go that path because they've got a ton of extra relievers they've added to this 40-man. Um, Sean Reynolds being one of them. Saw a great interview with uh, Kevin Barral yesterday at FanFest, and Sean Reynolds is massive. How tall is he? <laughs> He's, well, as tall as Puck, perhaps. I don't know. Um, so just to wrap up here on uh, J.J. Bladey as well, because I think it's right to talk about Bladey. Um, overall, I think the Marlins have sold low on him. Um, I think some Marlins fans in particular were uncertain if Blade would ever make the step. Other Marlins fans were definitely giving him more leash and thinking that there was something there. Overall with Blade, though, you know, it's it's almost too early to tell. He's only had 238 plate appearances at the major league level. That's it. It was it wasn't that good, it's fair to say. Um he hit 167. Uh he <laughs> He had five home runs. So that was good. Um, 167, but a WRC plus of 92. Uh, he was thrust into various defensive positions, it's fair to say. He was out there in center again. The Marlins just trying to square peg around whole center field as they've done since they traded Starling Marte. Um, but with Blade, he... Who knows? To be honest with you, who knows? I'm, I'm just uncertain about the way it will go. But I, I think... There's a guy in there, I remember him being on Miami Mic'd Up with Jeremy Taché and sitting and listening to Blade. The sense I got is that he's going to be a guy that's going to figure it out. That's my overarching feeling on him is Blade is going to find a way to figure things out at the Major League. There were things that surprised him when he came up. The routine, the grind, everything about being a big leaguer. But it's all about finding your way at the big leagues, finding your way to be successful, put yourself in successful situations and I think with Blade, there's there's absolutely that opportunity. Um, like I said, the shift really hurt him. So there's going to be an uptick here with him. I'm intrigued to see what the A's do, whether they they thrust him into Major League action straight away. He's got all the options, um, I think, available. So, you know, that's going to be another interesting wrinkle. We'll be cheering him on. But overall, his, his pathway to playing time with the Marlins this year was, was limited, I think. I think that's the way things are going. It's clear that Jesus Sanchez... Um, Brian De La Cruz, Jazz Chisholm, Avi Garcia, Jorge Soler. These are the guys that are going to be manning the outfield in the main. Um, that, that's pretty clear. So, you know, there's no real major league playing time available for him. And the Marlins needed a reliever. They ran out of options. They had some depth in the outfield. And and they also were obviously had a full 40-man, as, as pretty much every roster will have at this point. 
So this this move, in summary, just makes makes a ton of sense for the Marlins right now. They don't know what they have in Blade. They know the player better than anyone because they see him every day. Um, and so they don't know what they have. They 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 see what they think they can have in AJ Puck, and what they think they can have is a huge upside reliever there, power reliever, something that they really have not had for many, many years. And I think the profile is intriguing with Puck. The control sits well. Four years of control. He's going to go straight into the pen. And there's a good chance by the back end of 2023 that A.J. Puck is your closer. He could be even a multi-innings guy. They could even just try to fully recreate the Josh Hader experience. Who knows? But overall, big news. The Marlins trading away some outfield depth for a guy that is fundamentally unproven at the major league level to go and get a big name, big guy, big power reliever that is proven at the major league level, helps them win now. And overall, for me, I feel like that is a stunning piece of business for Kim Ang. This roster in general is the best roster for years. Easily, the clubhouse, the culture is seemingly miles better than it has been for years. Everything right now, as we sit here on the 12th of February and the sun coming up on a Sunday, says to me that this Marlins, this Marlins team is ready for a huge push in 2023. And I certainly would not rule them out of making the postseason. Thanks for joining me on Locked On Marlins and making it your first listen of the day. This should be your first listen of the day. It's going to be up so early. I'm your host, Peter Pratt, and I'll be back very, very soon as we carry on our spring training battles. We'll be looking towards the outfield and, I guess, the impact of J.J. Bladé being moved from that equation very, very soon. See you soon.